As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. At the end of the day, you think that the lender's trying to sell you a product, but it's really you trying to sell them a property. So you have to approach it in that manner if you want to be successful. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, I'm excited to introduce you to our newest host that we're bringing on to the team. His name is Slocum Reed, along with myself and Ash. Slocum will be providing value to every interview he does. I've known Slocum for years, and I've watched his portfolio continue to grow. He currently owns and operates 65 units, including converting three units into an office building. So he's an owner-operator. He's coming from certainly a different perspective than I have. I know he's going to bring his expertise and cut through the fluff and get the best real estate investing advice ever for you. So welcome, Slocum Reed. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Slocum Reed. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. And today we have Jonathan Nichols with us. How are you doing, Jonathan? Great, Slocum. Thanks for having me on the podcast today. Excited to be here. Jonathan is a full-time syndicator at Apogee Capital, which helps people passively invest in value-add multifamily real estate. He is the GP on 200 multifamily units, 18 short-term rentals, and LP on 250 units. He worked for 10 years as an aerospace engineer and went full-time in real estate in October of 2021, just a few months ago. He's based in Arlington, Texas. Jonathan, reading your bio, I have to ask, your 18 short-term rentals, is that a deal that you syndicated? Well, it's actually a mix. And so we have a few different genres of short-term rentals. So we have some residential properties that my wife and I own, which is how we got started in real estate several years back. We have a few arbitrage units, which is where we rent and then re-rent the units on Airbnb. And then finally... This past year, we did an eight-unit JV property. So not a syndication, but a JV property that's short-term rental. So that's kind of our our hybrid between multifamily and short-term. Gotcha. What does your joint venture look like on that eight-unit with STRs? My wife and I, as we start scaling up in short-term rentals, we really spent a lot of time developing our team and our business structure and stuff and got it to where it was fairly efficient. 
so I had this idea, hey, I'm, I'm jumping in the multifamily world, doing syndications and JVs and stuff like that now with multifamily. What if I could buy a small multifamily property and convert it to short-term rental and thereby get higher cash flow, higher returns for the folks on the deal? So I had a few partners who were on other multifamily deals with me that were interested in that business model. So basically, I took over the role of managing, or rather my company took over the role of managing the short-term rental side of the project. And of course, I put together the deal itself as far as not the syndication, but you know, just the transaction and the rehab and all that necessary to start doing short-term rental. Nice. The other deals that you have syndicated, those 200 units, where are they? We have one deal, which was our first deal that we were co-GPs on up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So we did that one early part of last year and it's taken off and, and doing very well. And then we have another deal that we just closed on in College Station, Texas towards the end of last year. And it's actually an A-class student housing type project. So we were the lead syndicators on that deal. Tell me more about that Class A student housing syndication. You said you bought it late last year. What did that property look like when you were proposing it to potential investors? It was really interesting because the first question that I got asked on it is, okay, it's A-class, so there's no value add. It's not a value add deal. Well, in fact, it, it is a value add because value comes in a lot of different ways, right? And so the story behind this property is that it had been owned by a mom and pop owner for quite a good bit of time. And their primary interest in the property was just having it 100% occupied and easy to manage. So while they took good care of the property, they didn't necessarily push it to its potential. So we took over the property. It's only eight or nine years old doesn't need any type of major rehab on the units as of now. And basically we're starting to implement professional management, professional marketing that will drive rents up to market in a tertiary market in Texas that's actually rather strong. And so the value on this is just the management play where we're able to hit market rents that the previous owner was not seeing on that particular property. And so, so far it's off to a good start. We're really excited about it, but it's definitely a little bit different than a lot of the typical C-class value add syndications that probably investors are used to uh, coming across. Yeah, C-class and to some degree B-class have kind of become synonymous with that term value add. Let's talk about value add for a moment because when you yeah. boil down the definition of value add, you're talking about increasing the value of the property which at the end of the day comes down to one of two variables or both. Value add is either increasing the NOI or decreasing the cap rate. And there's no reason why that can't be done in A class the same way it can be in B or C class. Yes, a higher percentage of the operators in an A class situation are going to already be performing optimally to the market, but you're talking about an ownership situation that is very familiar to C-class operators. The mom and pop who wanted to be stable and safe and low hassle instead of pushing income, they were primarily concerned with the lifestyle for themselves that resulted from the property more so than the NOI, which left an opportunity for you to increase the value and syndicate an A-class student housing deal. Am I missing anything here? 
No, I don't think you are. And honestly, I think your best point is is just that flaw that a lot of people have tied value add specifically to B and C class. And most of what I look at, to be clear, is B and C class properties like everyone. But I get a lot of deals across my table that are C class and it'll be marketed as C class value add deal. Well, really what it is, is another syndicator bought it five years ago. And they've taken most of the value out of it. And it's a turnkey property. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. There is a right buyer for that property, but it's no longer a value add deal because most of that's been squeezed out. So by the same token, you go look at an an A class that has value add on it. It's going to look a little bit different as far as the the return structure and such. But the reason that, that, that A class typically sells for higher is because it's lower risk. So when we were talking to investors, one thing we explained to them is you probably can go find 10 C class deals that would have a lot higher returns than this deal. But this is going to be a lot lower risk deal that's more likely to appreciate. And on top of that, we're in a market that has strong economics behind it. So we really believe in this project. And of course, that's not even considering the tax benefits that went along with it. We'll get back to the show in a few minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll get some value in learning more about. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Mark your calendars for the best ever conference, February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. You can get 15% off right now with the code BEC15 at besteverconference.com. That's the code BEC15 for 15% off at besteverconference.com. Are the tax benefits anything beyond the ordinary? I would say not because the property by itself, yes. But if you have a true C-class with value add on it, you're going to get a lot of tax benefits from that value add if it's executed properly and all that. And so you're not going to see as much of that. So it's probably pretty much in line with what you see on most syndications. But we definitely had investors who, because we're approaching the end of 2021, were concerned about their tax bill in the upcoming year who said, we need to put money in a good project. So we had a, a low risk project with great returns and the normal cost tax benefit. So they were sold. College Station, Texas makes me think of the Aggies. Are there any other major employers in College Station outside of Texas A&M? Yeah, that's a great question. So first of all, my wife and I, we both went to Texas A&M. That's where we met. So we're very familiar with the market because we've lived there for several years. Historically, 
Bryan College Station has been, I would say, outside of the school, somewhat of a flat market. But in recent years, there are a number of large, well-known companies that are putting tremendous amounts of money on the order of hundreds of millions of dollars in a market with a quarter million people. So the job growth that you see, the employment growth, the population growth outside of the growth of the school itself, it hits all the metrics that most indicators look for in a solid market. So that's something that's come to play, I would say, in the last two to three years, particularly. And so I think it's a market that's well positioned for success in the near future. I am in Cincinnati, Ohio. We have a couple of great universities here and very solid student housing markets within Cincinnati, but I'm not in them yet. When you were evaluating this deal in College Station, I say that because I'm really asking out of curiosity here. College Station quarter million people, relatively flat outside of the university. When you are underwriting the area, knowing that this is going to be dedicated student housing, are you weighing the growth of the university against the other economic factors affecting the market? Well, that's a good question. So first of all, historically, a bit of a flat market. Now it's it's actually growing rather rapidly. So outside of the university, the population growth because of these new employers that have come in the market. And so when it comes to the student housing side of it, you do want to look at the university as well. Largest public university, largest university in Texas. The student population growth is extremely high and has been for a number of years. So I think it bodes well with property performance. This particular property, once again, remembering that my wife and I are very familiar with the town, It's in really an impeccable location. It's very desirable for students who want to live because it's within biking distance, walking distance of the university. And for anyone who's familiar with very large universities, not every school do you have the ability to live and walk to your university. And some of the larger schools, you know, you may be riding a bus for a while or have to drive, et cetera. And so that benefit of the location alone was something that we took into consideration. But really, at the end of the day, there were two things that we were evaluating in order for us to feel comfortable signing the PSA on this property. One, what was the lending environment? Who was willing to lend on the project? So we found a couple different good options and one that we were particularly happy with. And two, who was going to manage it? So to back up a step, I have folks come to me on the short-term rental side of things all the time and ask me questions about buying a short-term rental. And the first question I ask them is the same, which is who's going to manage it? You need someone that is a professional in that specific type of environment. So we found a local management company who is headquartered in College Station, has been there for 20 years, does not only student housing, but also manages a few hotels as well. So When it comes to the intensity that comes with the turnovers and the schedule that you see with that, they were very well prepared to take on this project. So those are kind of the two things that led us to believe we were going to be successful in this project. Jonathan, I want to ask you a little more about the debt that you got for this deal. But first, a frame of reference for the debt conversation How big is this property? How many units? How much did you pay? How much were you looking? Did you have a value add budget? The property itself is 75 units. They're all townhome style. So the units are very large. Is it a rent by the bedroom situation? 
It is not. So that's another thing that made us comfortable with it. It's not rent by the bedroom. And it's also 12-month leases. So while the the percentage of students living on the property officially made it a student housing project from a lending perspective, we do have a lot of full-time professionals that live on the property, professors, or even graduate students pursuing PhDs that are going to be there for a long time. And it's really a lot different than a straight student housing project, to be honest with you. So there's a component of both in there, but it's 75 units. And what else did you ask me about it particularly? How much did you pay for it? And what was your projected rental budget? It was a eight and a half million dollar property, which was like a five and a half cap for this market, which is really incredible for a class, honestly. And the rental budget, there's really nothing on the interiors that need upgraded. It's a new enough property that just the finishings, the flooring, et cetera, is all in great condition. It's more of just kind of minor exterior things. And so we had a pretty light budget just for a little bit of deferred maintenance on the outside, but I wouldn't even call it a full CapEx budget, to be honest. It's probably what most people would just put into reserves, but it's stuff that we identified going into the project was going to need to be repaired. What kind of rent growth potential did it have when you bought it? This doesn't sound like something that's going to get a big bump in rents, but like you said, previous mom and pop owners who cared more about making things easy than profitable, yeah. what were you looking at? What we needed was to be able to get five to seven percent rent growth in the first year in order to hit our performa. And what we're seeing is that we're somewhere around 10 to 12 percent below market rents as of today. What's interesting is that Texas AM is home of a real estate research center in Texas. So they do research on real estate all across the state and obviously are well-versed in their local market as well. So they released an article here within the last month or so, basically stating that 2021 properties had seen 10 to 15% rent growth nominally across the board. So we're talking properties that were already at market rent, seeing those kinds of rents. That's correct. And they're expecting that again in 2022. And so for us going into this project, that was something that really made us comfortable with it because the rents that we were needing to hit to hit our performa were well below what's projected just from nominal rent growth outside of properties that are maybe below market as is. Yeah. Rising tide lifts all ships for sure. It's a good time to be taking advantage of what's happening in the market when it comes to rent rates. So 75 townhome units, technically classified student housing, but you have a mix there of tenants, professional as well as student. 75 doors, 8.5 million, pretty stable, a little bit of rent growth potential. This sounds like a dream for most lenders. What kind of debt structure were you looking at? One of the things important to our team was to find non-recourse lending. So that was probably the most challenging. And so if you you have to go back to the history of the market there in College Station. So agency was not particularly interested in this project because one, they're not big fans of anything that they would identify as student housing. But more sure. so, if you look back at the history of the market several years back, there was a lot of development of new A-class student housing between, let's say, 2012 to around 2016 in this market. And for a brief time period, the market was even a bit oversupplied on student housing. So 
I think that some of the lenders were concerned about that and not looking at some of the metrics because what really matters in a market, if I tell you, hey, Slocum, I'm going to buy a property in Austin, you immediately think, oh, that's a great market. But why do you think that? And likely it's due to what it's done in the past, right? It's because of how many people say Austin all the time. Exactly. You You hear it everywhere. But what we really care about is what is the market going to do in the future? So of course. while we don't have a crystal ball, there is a lot of research and data that can give us an idea of what it's going to do in the future. And so some of that I already mentioned, right? Companies coming in, investing enormous amounts of money, job growth, population growth, low unemployment, particular to this property, a university that also has population growth, a subset of students who have no issues paying rent. So presenting all that to the lenders, once we found a group of lenders who were interested, A, in student housing, and then B, in non-recourse lending, it was actually a pretty easy sell. So it's just finding the people who are interested in that kind of project. So what terms did you get? We were able to get 75 LTV, which is pretty right down the fairway, I would say, in Texas. Don't need any CapEx money because the repairs are minimal. So that's not really much of a concern. 30-year AM, low DSCR. So it all worked out pretty good, honestly, in the end. A lot of it was just really being clear on our business plan, on providing evidence of the property's current performance. Like I said, because it was a mom-and-pop owner, they had done all the right things as far as screening tenants and running the business well, but it just wasn't the most organized. And so we as the sponsors on the team had to do a lot of that organization and then present that information to the lender. So at the end of the day, you think that the lender's trying to sell you a product, but it's really you trying to sell them a property. So you have to approach it in that manner if, if you want to be successful. Yeah. And I know that 30-year amortization is going to help your cash flow a bunch. We'll get back to the show in a few minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll get some value in learning more about. How are you doing on your goals this year? Whether it's planning for your goals or whether it's executing on those goals, I imagine one of them has to do with financial freedom, taking control of your finances. And I can tell you that is a possibility within the next one to three years using a proven system created by my friend, Michael Blanc. He's got the program Deal Maker Mentoring Here are some of his students who have been in the program and what they've accomplished. Melanie McDaniel, she closed her first 24-unit joint venture deal and is now pivoting to become full-time in the industry. Within five months of joining, Cheryl Groovy from Atlanta, she had a 34-unit deal under contract, and she partnered with two other deal-maker mentoring students, and together they raised $700,000. And Brian Briscoe, he said thanks to deal-maker mentoring, he had the opportunity to accelerate his timeline and go after much bigger deals than he would have on his own. If you are ready to commit to achieving your dreams this year and you've been thinking about getting into multifamily, well, text the word Joe to 66866. Again, that's the word Joe. You know how to spell my name, right? J-O-E to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own syndication business. 
deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors. And I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals, or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow-up boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial. For a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Did you underwrite this to the five-year hold? Is that the plan? That is the plan. And we're seeing in the Texas markets, a lot of sponsors are choosing not to hold properties for five years. Just when you look at cap rate compression combined with rent growth, a lot of them are not having to hold properties that long to hit the equity multiples that they're projecting to investors. And so my hope would be that we would see something similar on this project because it's more of a management play than a, a rehab play it won't take as long to implement our value add strategy on this project. But at the end of the day, we want to be conservative. It's a five-year business plan. It's a five-year note. So that's what we've underwritten it as. Awesome. Well, Jonathan, are you ready for our best ever lightning round? Better now than ever. Yep. Ready to go. What is the best ever book you've recently read? Well, that's a great question. I'm going to name a non-real estate related book and say the one thing. And the reason I like that book is that when I was trying to lock down our first multifamily project, it really helped me with just not only the mindset, but the organization behind trying to accomplish what to me seemed like a, a very large goal. And so for any listeners that have a big goal going into 2022 and haven't read that book, I would definitely recommend it. The one thing is phenomenal for sure. What is your best ever way to give back? That's an incredible question. A couple of years back, actually several years back, my wife and I were privileged to, to go on a trip to Tijuana, Mexico and build a house there for a family over an extended weekend and then made it basically a family tradition of ours to go back every year up until COVID hit. And honestly, it's been one of the most impactful things that I've had the opportunity to participate in. So we're hoping to get back into that this year, but I really enjoy that a lot. Nice. And what is your best ever advice? It sounds really generic, but what I would say, especially to newer real estate investors is just to have that never quit mentality. It amazes me how many people come into this industry with maybe minimal experience or a resume that doesn't seem to suggest that they're going to be successful, but then they wind up being incredibly successful. And I think the one thing that ties the people that succeed is that they all are very committed to the outcome. 
It's not about saying, well, I'm going to give this amount of effort. And if it doesn't work, then whatever. They just have this attitude that they're willing to write a blank check and whatever it takes, they're going to get it done. And so that would be my advice is figure out what it takes and work hard until you succeed. That's awesome. Jonathan, where can people get in touch with you? As you already mentioned, the name of our company, my wife and I's syndication company is Apogee Capital. We have a really great website, which my wife actually built called Apogee MFC as in multifamilycapital.com. It's got all kinds of resources, typically targeted towards passive investors who are interested in multifamily commercial real estate. We have a free ebook. So that's definitely a great way to get in contact with us. Also, I'm rather active on LinkedIn. So if you search for me there, I'd love to connect with you if you have any questions or just want an introduction. That's great. Jonathan, thank you. And best ever listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review and share this with someone who could benefit from what Jonathan shared with us. Thank you and have a best ever day.